we've been proning these patients and we, we've learned a few things. Hello, I'm Rachel Deere, host of today's program, COVID-19, Keeping Up with a Moving Target. This is the August 21st update of DKB Med Radio's Coronavirus Educational Series. Thank you for joining us. This activity is jointly provided by the Postgraduate Institute for Medicine, DKB Med, and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Today's program is accredited for ANCC and AAPA credit, as well as AMA, PRA, Category 1 credits. Please visit our website for complete CE information. To attest for credit, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. There, you will also find all of our previous COVID-19 programs and have access to other free CE programs on a wide range of topics. The slides for today's webinar can be found in the resource list window and as a green icon in the bottom menu. Today's learning objectives are, describe what proning is and why it works, discuss how proning has been employed in the COVID-19 patient population, and describe how Johns Hopkins and the Lifeline team employ prone positioning and its rapid deployment of the therapy. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Pfizer Incorporated and in-kind by DKB Med. All activity content and materials have been developed solely by the activity directors, planning committee members, and faculty presenters. With us today, we have Aaron Berry, a nurse clinician at Johns Hopkins, who will be giving us an update on proning patients. If you're interested in additional proning information, check out our webcast from April 24th with Sue Hansen. Aaron, thanks for your time. Hey everyone, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here today to talk a little bit about proning and COVID-19 and a little bit about what we've seen over the past few months and how it's impacted what we're doing at Johns Hopkins. First, just to kind of get everyone on the same page, for those of us that may not know a ton about proning or could use a little refresher, although I think we probably all do at this point, proning is a treatment strategy that's used to improve oxygenation in severe ARDS patients. So it's been around since I believe the late 60s as something that um, they've used usually in a critical care environment on ventilated patients. So the typical trigger for considering proning on these patients is the P to F ratio of less than 150. So what that number is, is you're looking at your PaO2 that you would get from your blood gas as a ratio with your FiO2 on your ventilator setting. So a P to F ratio of less than 150 is usually considered a severe ARD situation that would trigger using a proning strategy. Um, so these patients have a severe refractory hypoxemia. You've typically tried all your ARDnet settings for ventilators using um, low tidal volumes and using your PEEP and FiO2 ladders to kind of maximize your PEEP, your low tidal volumes, and your FiO2 to try to get that patient out of that hypoxemia. And that's when you would typically go to, to proning when you're not able to, to meet their needs using those strategies. And a lot of times strategies will also include using paralytics to help the patient not fight what the ventilator is trying to do for them. And again, proning, it's, it's super simple by definition. Supine positioning is typically the way you see your patients. So proning is just 
flipping them and putting them on their stomachs. It seems very simple by definition, but actually pulling it off is the hard part. So it requires a team approach, lots of planning and attention to details, lots of one, two, three counting. It's not always something that people do a lot of, and it could be very high risk if you aren't watching everything very carefully because you can lose airways, you could lose lines, and it just requires a very detailed thought out process on how you're going to accomplish it. So it sounds simple, but the actual application of it can be quite complex, especially if it's not something that you're familiar with doing. And there's a couple different methods that are utilized to do prone positioning. Um, most places do bed to bed or within the bed repositioning, which again just requires moving the patient to the edge of the bed and carefully turning them onto their stomachs. There's some super nice specialty beds out there that will actually prone the patient for you. Very expensive and especially right now with coronavirus and all the patients that need to be prone, it's really not a feasible option for most places. So nursing is all about evidence-based medicine these days. If I'm going to do this time-intensive, possibly risky procedure, I want to know that what I'm doing has been proven. So if you go back and look at the Proceva trial from 2013, it's um, a randomized control trial, so that's the best you can do. It looked at both 28-day and 90-day mortality for proning patients, and it saw that prone positioning improved both 28-day and 90-day mortality. So it's not just improving their oxygenation, it's improving their survival rates, which is very important. For 28 days on the prone, there was only a 16% mortality in these severe ARDS patients. And in the supine, there was a 32.8% mortality rate, which is a little bit more than double. So you can see that it made a very significant difference in that 28-day mortality rate. And then if you look at the 90-day mortality rate, prone was 23.6% and supine was 41%. So you don't see quite the significance of double, but it's still 23 versus 41. It makes, it makes a huge difference. And there were similar complication rates in both groups. So the patients that were prone weren't seeing complications that the non-prone patients were. And actually they saw a higher rate of cardiac arrest in the supine group. So there was a lower rate of cardiac arrest in the prone physician patients. And then there was one more trial I wanted to talk about real quick. It's the APRONET trial. That was from 2018. And this one's just a prevalence trial. And I thought this one was interesting because it was strictly just looking at when are we using prone positioning? How often are we using it? After they collected all their data, they found that prone positioning was only used in 32.9% of patients with severe ARDS. For patients with mild or moderate, it was barely into the double digit. So it's not something that people are really utilizing in the, in the past to deal with ARDS as much as they could. It seems more of a rescue therapy is what people were using it as, even though this study also looked at complication rates and oxygenation and driving pressures. The total complication rate was 11.9%, but the majority of that was pressure ulcers, which you don't like to see, but it's not a life-threatening injury from these patients. And they only saw two issues with airways. So it's a very low complication rate. The P to F ratio that we talked about earlier, in this study, they saw the supine patients had a P to F of 101, where after they pronated them, it 
went to 171. So we definitely saw a significant increase in their PDF ratio. Driving pressures and P-plats are a couple of other numbers that they looked at. And it's just looking at the airway pressures and things like that. So they did see a decrease in both the driving pressure and the P-plat, which is also a good sign. So then what does proning actually do for these patients? Like, why are we seeing the improved response? Why are we seeing improved oxygenation? This image here does a really good job of explaining some of these wordier, more complicated terms. So first, reducing ventral dorsal transpulmonary pressure difference. So basically what that's saying is there is um, a significant difference between your front and your back pressures in your lungs. And when you're supine, it's greater. If you flip them prone, then you're going to see a more like homogeneous lung field for them to aerate. And you're going to see sometimes the lungs at the top, those alveoli tissue are going to be over distended and that can lead to ventilator lung injury. And then you've got these alveoli down at the bottom that are kind of collapsed and atelectasis and you're not getting good oxygenation in those. So it kind of reverses that. And then it also reduces lung compression. So you can see you've got your heart sitting here, kind of pushing down on your lungs. You've got your diaphragm kind of pushing down on your lungs. You flip them upside down. Now this lung is down. It lets those lungs expand even more. And then your diaphragm is allowing the lungs to expand even more, reducing all that lung compression. And then you're also going to see improved lung perfusion. When you've got your patient supine, you have a pretty significant VQ mismatch. So you've got these bottom alveoli down here that are kind of collapsed, but we all know the blood is going down towards the bottom. So when you flip that patient over and you're opening up all the alveoli down there and you're having that increased blood flow, you're improving that VQ mismatch. So all those things together, um, opening up the lungs, opening up the alveoli, and switching the way that perfusion goes is all going to help you improve that hypoxemia. I love these memes that they've come out with for proning for ARDS. And I think it's, it's super simple. It breaks it very down, face down, sats up, and it, it just makes it very simple. There's some other ones, but this was the, um, the cleanest one that I could find. So what have we learned from proning and COVID-19 ARDS? So if proning worked with other ARDS patients, obviously we think it should work with COVID-19 ARDS. So we've been proning these patients and we, we've learned a few things. With the COVID-19, we're not seeing like the typical ARDS pattern where the lungs get not compliant and you've got to give them more PEEP and more PEEP and more PEEP and you're winding up on like PEEPs of 12, PEEPs of 15. Some places you're seeing these ARDS patients get put on APRB. So they're getting pressures of like up to 25, maybe even 30 to try and pop open these alveoli because the lungs aren't compliant. And over the past few months, we've learned that the ARDS with COVID-19 is not reducing the compliance. They're maintaining their lung compliance. So initially, we're treating them like a, a standard ARDS patient. You're titrating up the PEEP, trying to correct that hypoxemia. You're really, I mean, you're, you're gaining some ground, but you're not getting there. So there's um, some information that we've got from Wuhan, which we all know where COVID-19 started. And this is where we got this information that proning is helping over pressure. So there was an observational study that was done in Wuhan back in February of 2020, where they looked at, it's a small number of um, patients, but they were seeing that by proning these patients, you're seeing a greater improvement in the hypoxemia because the pressure's not doing it because those lungs are already compliant. And then this was published just back in June of 2020, but they got together 
I believe it was 25 different um, intensive care specialists from Wuhan that were frontline workers that all made expert statements on how we can better treat COVID-19 from the lessons learned. And one of those was a strong recommendation to prone patients to prevent the deterioration. So then we kind of come into this interesting thing that we didn't really see, I'd personally never seen myself pre-COVID-19 times, is this proning of a non-intubated patient. I did work in the NICU very briefly, and you would, you would prone these little babies all the time, but again, adults were always just a little bit behind, kind of like they were with ECMO. It's just not something we really did. It was kind of um, like I was talking about in the APRONET study. It was kind of like this um, rescue procedure that you did as a last-ditch effort. But now we are looking at doing this while these patients aren't intubated. And what it's doing is it's, it's helping us to prevent intubating some of these patients. So there's a couple case studies that I found about this. There was one case study that was done in the United States. It only had two patients, but um, it, we're still learning. So everything's kind of small right now. Don't really have time for those big randomized control tiles. Those takes months or years. But the first patient came in got on high flow nasal cannula, was citing like 92% on like almost 50% FiO2, and then they were able to get him to self-prone well on the high flow nasal cannula. Almost instantly, his SATs jumped up to 98%, his FiO2 requirements dropped, and three days later, they have him down to three liters nasal cannula. So they prevented this patient from being intubated, which in COVID times may not have ventilators. You're running out of ICU space it frees up more resources and prevents you from having to do things. And it also prevents the complications that you will see from intubation like pneumonias and BTE and all kinds of horrible things. So there was um, another patient in that study who had been extubated, wasn't doing well, wound up back on high flow and was probably gonna wind up re-intubated, but they wound up being able to get that patient to self-prone while on high flow nasal cannula. And then two days later, back on just regular old nasal cannula and avoided being reintubated again. And then there was prospective cohort study that was done in Italy that looked mostly at your P to F ratios for these patients that are not intubated and you're going to go ahead and have them self-prone or help them to prone. The study found that supine, their P to F ratio was like 180.5. You would prone them for about three hours minimum and their PDF ratio would jump all the way to 285.5, which is a very significant increase. Um, and then they would maintain a little bit of that after they were resupinated. And then they had zero adverse events recorded for that study. So it was all great information. So how are we doing this at Hopkins? Like most facilities, COVID is spread out into multiple units. It can't just be contained in one ICU unit. And there's other units that used to be um, like a step-down unit that have been upgraded to ICU level of care. So you've got a bunch of nurses taking care of patients that they're not particularly used to, that they don't have that experience with proning. And so this was actually a nurse-led initiative. I believe it's the girl there in the blue scrubs. Uh, she noticed that all these other units were struggling and they were constantly calling their charge nurse and the MICU nurses to come help. And she had this idea, well, why don't we have a prone team like we have a code team where we can set up people that are trained on how to do this proning and go to these units where these nurses need help that they're not used to doing this procedure and they can show up 
help them prone, help them walk through it and get them comfortable with it. And not only get the nurses comfortable with it, but get the patient, the therapy that they need in a very safe fashion. So they used a nurse from the MICU who has experience with proning. And then they would um, take outpatient physical therapists because like most places, outpatient was closed down. They're trying to figure out what to do with this staff that they're not able to do their regular jobs. So they came in and they're used to moving patients to helping them. They just needed a little training on what to do with critically ill patients. And so far, since they've implemented this proning team, we haven't seen any adverse events with airway losses and it's, it's done really well. And I know personally from speaking to the nurses on the other units that don't usually do this, they really appreciate the support. Just a little bit about critical care transport with Lifeline. We always say that, yes, we're a transport team, but first and foremost, we're a safety team. We try to do everything as safe as possible. And in the transport world, proning is not something that was typically ever done. It was looked at as a not safe practice. But as we're going to these COVID times, we're kind of having to rethink how we're doing things and kind of have this um, almost paradigm shift from you never move a patient prone to asking the question, how do you move a patient prone safely? So we worked with our nurse manager and our medical director and several of the nurses in our department that have experienced proning and created a transport specific prone procedure that we could use to safely transport a patient in the prone position, similar to how they're positioned in the hospital, but just a little bit different. And then there's a lot of people on our team that don't have the experience with proning, kind of like um, all the other units in Hopkins that haven't been, been proning. So we developed a just-in-time training for them and did hands-on training in our simulation lab with mannequins that are intubated and have lines and how, how do you physically turn the patient? How do you physically move the patient? How do you get them set up in a position so if you need to supinate them quickly, how do you set up the sheets? So we actually got everyone pretty comfortable with it. It's not something that we do regularly because it's still safer to do it in a supine position, but now we've set up a program so we're able to safely do it for these, especially these COVID patients that they can get the, the prone therapy that they need for some of these longer transports. So we're not taking away something that they need. Erin, thank you so much for those updates. We'll move on to the listener Q&A segment. So the first question, what happens when a patient in the prone position goes into cardiac arrest? How do you perform effective CPR? So the AHA actually has put out recommendations that you can do CPR in the prone position without having to resupinate the patient you would do your compressions right below the scapula. So that's kind of basically right on the sternum and you'd want to provide some sternal support, like maybe put and put a little liter of saline and you can do effective compressions in the prone position. You can place defib pads and shock them. Of course you can always, the best would be to flip them supine because you're probably gonna have to do other procedures and things. But while you're getting ready to do that, you can start CPR. Maybe they just need a round of CPR and defib and you can leave them in the prone position. You can do it effectively. It's not something I've personally ever done. Um, it's not something I would enjoy doing, but you absolutely can do it. So the next one, are patients developing pressure ulcers? How are you preventing them? So unfortunately with the prone positioning, patients do develop pressure ulcers. Some things that you can do to help prevent them is using specialized pillows that are like fluidized to kind of help relieve some of that pressure because the face seems to be an area where you can get a lot of breakdown. Um, padding bony prominences, your elbows and your knees and your hip bones and kind of just 
being cognizant as a nurse where the pressure is going to develop, kind of like what you do with your ICU patients now, they're just kind of in a different position. So you're looking for all the same things, just in different places. So yes, they do develop pressure ulcers and wound care nurses, again, are going to be a great resource for you for helping prevent those pressure ulcers and making recommendations on how you can protect all those bony prominences in the face. So are we seeing any complications from proning? So there are complications that you can see from proning. We mentioned in the last question, you can have pressure ulcers and there's, there's some things you can do to mitigate that. Um, another complication that you can see is injury to the eyes. Uh, and the best way to prevent that is like they do in the OR, make sure the eye stays closed, you can tape them closed, making use of lubricating drops to help keep the eye moisturized so you're not seeing those corneal abrasions. Um, again, you can see issues with losing airways, but that's mostly mitigated by doing a well thought out process and working together as a team, moving slowly and just following any procedures that your hospital has set up for them. Thanks, Erin. As a reminder, to claim credit, please complete the evaluation at covid19.dkbmed.com and select today's activity. You will receive your certificate immediately after. Any questions or issues, feel free to email us at the address listed. To submit questions, please send them to qa at dkbmed.com. That's Q as in question, A as in answer at dkbmed.com. Don't forget to access our resource center at covid19.dkbmed.com. You'll find a range of information, including the latest COVID-19 data and statistics, medical society guidelines, and resources in Spanish. Again, thanks for joining us, and thank you for your dedication to your patients with COVID-19. Erin, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thank you again for having me. It's been great. I hope you got some great information from this um, and good luck with your COVID-19 endeavors.